and welcome to the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a true crime and disaster podcast where we talk about all things horrible, as is implied by the title of the podcast. <laughs> Today, I am joined by... Andrew Buchern. Hello, Andrew. And I, as always, am your host, Emma Sexton. And Andrew, this is your first time on the podcast. I'm very excited for you to be here. I'm excited to be here. I've I've never been on a podcast. It's it's a whole new a whole new medium. It's a whole new uh it's a whole new adventure. Exactly. And Andrew, I ask this to every single it's so weird guys, I'm going to let you in on something. I always call Andrew Buker. So this is probably the most I've ever called you Andrew in one sitting. It's thrown me off. It's thrown me off a little bit, but I wasn't sure if you would prefer Andrew or Buker. Just say both at the at the same time. Oh, okay. So Andrew Buker. Switch flip flop. <laughs> sometimes I'll call you Buker. Sometimes I'll call you Andrew. So you have never been on the show before, and it is a tradition around here that for every person's first time on the show, we ask, "What is your familiarity level with true crime? Do you know a lot about it? Do you watch documentaries about it? Podcasts? Like, how much do you know about it? And do you?" want to know more about it or are you actively trying to avoid it like what's the sitch with you and true crime i don't know anything about true crime i've i've watched a few of the podcasts because i i've edited a few of them for you and and i watched yes a few we others. love a freelance dire- director editor everyone hit andrew up for your podcast needs he's great yeah and uh but i i don't really know much about the just true crime and and all of the, the little things about it but uh, I'm I'm interested to learn. Yeah. Do you feel like true crime has become a more prominent thing just in life in general in the past couple of years? Or is it you first kind of were introduced to it when I put out the podcast? I, I think I just first started noticing it when you put out the podcast. But I, I hear people talk about it all the time, even in like my English class where we talk about like just different true crime things and, and the just it, I hear about true crime a lot and with different things like the Netflix originals and all that about true crime. It's, it's certainly, certainly trending right now. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I was thinking about this the other day that even though it's trending right now, like a lot and people are like, Oh, it's never been that big of a thing before. I'm just like, I, it's kind of always been a super popular thing. Like when you think about it, Sherlock Holmes, it's like one of the most popular book series and just like TV shows of all time. And that's like, that's the original true crime. Like the original true crime fanatics are people that would read stuff like Sherlock Holmes and, you know, like all this classic li- clockwork orange, like clockwork orange and all the- these different mediums that have heavily to do with true crime. It's just like murder mysteries have always been popular, but the more it just seems like now that the internet is here and people can just look stuff up, like the fictional true crime doesn't have as much of a pull as the real stuff. And I think when it comes to true crime, people love to have someone to hate. When you have this person in the news who killed someone in your neighborhood and there's like a trial going on or whoever it was, like the one with uh, Stephen and Kaya. Where, oh, where, Scott Peterson? Yeah, the Scott Peterson trials. It's just people love to hate someone and people bond over hating someone. So people people get closer together if they have a, a common enemy. And that's, I think, the, the pull behind it. Like, oh, we all hate this guy, whatever it may be, no matter whether or not he did it just people love to hate yeah it's true it kind of reminds me of the um ted bundy gainesville ripper cases because 
um, one of the things they talk about, particularly in Ted Bundy, is that like he was on death row for so long that by the time he actually, it was his execution day, the people that came out and like joined this mob that was chanting for his death and all this stuff were not the same people who were in fear and like outraged when the actual crimes were being committed. It was just this mob formed because people all had something in common, which is that they all hated this guy. It's kind of interesting. Sometimes hate can be a more um, unifying force than anything else because people, it's it's easy to hate, yeah. Yeah, think about it. Like when we're in, in war and we have an enemy, like in World War II, everyone from all political backgrounds banded together in hatred of what was going on. And in we trying to, we all to... hate a Nazi. We yeah. all hate Nazis. We all hate Nazis. So let's all band together and kill as many of them as possible. And it, and just having a common enemy helps people forget about the other things that that they that they hate about each other. You know, that's so true. I don't know how I've never talked about this particular thing because I guess I always just talk about people like to see what's the worst in themselves. Like what is the worst thing that they could do what is the worst thing that people like themselves are doing but then yeah there's a whole there's a whole social component to it i mean just look at i mean you look up hashtag murderinos online it's like a whole community of people that have bonded together over a love of true crime but b hatred of killers (laughs) like just this whole community of people that have found each other because of their mutual hatred for the same thing and love of it at the same time that's why true crime is so awesome is because you love true crime but you hate what it is mm-hmm. and i love the content that comes out of it but if it could stop altogether i would want that more yeah you know what i mean yeah it's like you don't want it to be there but you're enjoying that it is there and just like how interesting it is you you know yeah it's it is a weird thing like it's always the same thing it's why i have these moral, like one time, uh, my for those of you that don't know, my boyfriend's name is Harley. And one time we were in the car listening to a true crime podcast. He doesn't like true crime that much because it's just not his thing. But he was humoring me. <laughs> we we're listening to it. And he just goes, is it kind of wrong that people make money off of talking about other people's death? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, no, because it's it's more of like a historical recounting of something that happened. But at the same time, there are a lot of those moral questions like about it. I guess it it's interesting because it really relies on intention. Like what's your intention of it? Is your intention to here's the victims of these crimes. Here's how you can be safe. Here's how you can be cautious. And like these are the things that have happened in the past. And let's talk about them and not let these things go unheard of. Or is it kind of wrong to be making money off the tragedy of other people? I think that really goes along with like the the idea that those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. It's like if you're not knowledgeable of the things that are going on around you, you're you're doomed or people after you, your your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are doomed to have the same things happen to them. And I don't think it's it's quite exactly the same, but I feel like we can learn from these things. We can learn from how like badly people are treated in trial or or false accusations. You can we can learn from them in kind of better ourselves in our, our judicial system or whatever it may be, just like learning from it, not just sweeping it under the rug, like, oh, that murder happened, that's the past. And talking about it also, I feel like we've come such a long way. Like, um, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but last summer I was with my grandma and my great-grandma, and we were just talking about, like, stories from the old days. My great-grandma grew up in New York. She came through Ellis Island um, from Hungary, 
and like her parents came through Ellis Island from Hungary and like her family was really little and she grew up in this like Hungarian dominated area of New York and she told this story about how one time she was like going back to her apartment where her and her mom uh, lived because her dad passed away when she was really young and these boys started like chasing her down the street and then when they got into the lobby of the building they like pushed her up against the lockers and started to pull her dress up when her mom like came out and was like what are you doing get out of here and she was like yeah I just never really talked about it until now because it just wasn't really a thing people talked about like it wasn't it wasn't necessarily accepted obviously it was like get out don't do that but it wasn't talked about because it just wasn't seen as that important or that crazy of a thing to happen so I feel like just talking about things like that, talking about these terrible things that happen, it makes it more of like a here is here's what actually goes on. Like this happens to people. So be aware, be cautious, like know what to do, what not to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just knowing that the world isn't this like perfect place where nothing bad ever happens, knowing that bad things actually happen to the people around you, to your peers, to your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And it not all of us are are safe from that and it's just important to know yeah i think that's honestly a perfect note to transition into the case we're talking about like a weirdly perfect pre-conversation to the case so skippers people who skip through the whole (laughs) intro spiel and just want to get to the the bloody details you can start again here (laughs) okay so today we're going to be talking about the death of cynthia hoffman uh the murderer's name is denali bramer I'm pretty sure it's Bremer. It could be Bremer, but I'm going to say Bremer because it sounds better to me. And there's not really <laughs> videos of people saying it. So Denali Bremer. So this case is really interesting because even though the actual crime happened in Alaska, the person who helped to perpetrate this entire case actually lived thousands of miles away in Indiana because this is a case that relies heavily on internet connection and like a cyber it's not a cyber crime but it's heavily aided by the internet in the sense that it wouldn't have happened without the internet which is an interesting topic on its own because it's like how many murders have happened because of the internet so over the phone um actually this year in 2019 this case is fresh um in 2019 Denali Bramer began uh, a relationship with 21-year-old Darren Schillmiller, who told her that he was a millionaire, and he also went under the pseudonym Tyler, and he said that he was from Kansas, when really his name was Darren, and he was not a millionaire, and he was from Indiana. (laughs) And so, of course, she believed him, because it's online. He had, like, a fake picture and everything, and just, like, he was a catfish, basically. He was just catfishing her to start a relationship. And even though they're weren't, they're not that far away in age, there's something weird about it. I don't know. I guess the idea that it's like an older guy just seeking someone out on the internet is a little strange to me. So over the course of the five months that they were in correspondence, he convinced her to send him nude photos and just like it, it was basically a very abusive relationship with two people who clearly both were not mentally sound. So it was a bad very abusive relationship straight from the start. So um, Denali said that her best friend was this girl named Cynthia Hoffman, and she had a develop uh, developmental disability. She went to the same high school as her. And so this guy who went under the pseudonym Tyler convinced her that if she murdered her best friend, he would give her $9 million. 
like I said, she believed that he was a millionaire. Like, and th- she believed that they were in love. So she was like, why would, well, he would never like play me. Obviously, we're in love. But, um, I mean, the interesting thing is that I'm 18. I would not believe some dude on the internet if he told me he was a millionaire. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a different culture in California, but like, because I feel like everyone is so aware of catfish, catfishing. I mean, like, in middle school, everyone I know used to catfish people on kick. <laughs> like, that was just a funny thing people would do. But it's like, I would never, I feel like you can't believe people on the internet. Like, especially if they tell you something as outlandish as I'm a millionaire. Yeah, I've always been super skeptical. So it's hard for me to put myself in a different mindset of someone who's like, like naive of, of these things and not ne- not necessarily naive. Well, they, they don't they don't know what's going on. They don't know that people are out there to get them. And I think things may be different in Alaska because like, you know, people aren't really exposed to the same things we are here. But it's also an anchorage, which is like for Alaska, that's a pretty big town. You know mm. what I mean? It's nothing compared to us. We have like over 200,000 people in our town and we're like, eh, it's pretty small. Yeah, it's, a, it's a tiny surfer village. <laughs> yeah, it's just a small town on the coast. Yeah, everyone from outside of town just goes like, oh, that, that tiny place, oh, it's super cute. It's yeah, everyone from outside Los Angeles is a small town. <laughs> like, yeah. Because, I mean, how can you compare to that? They have like, what, 1.2 million people in Los Angeles? I think more than that. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, ridiculous. But anyway, back to Alaska. <laughs> So he tells her that if she murders, he actually never specified Cynthia Hoffman. He said, if you murder someone and send me videos and pictures of it while you're doing it, I'll give you $9 million. So it wasn't just him out to get um, the, the girl who was developmentally disabled. No. It wasn't like a, a hate thing for that. It was just kill someone. Yeah, it's almost worse because it's just that I want to see murder. Yeah. Like, I want to see how much control I have over you. What can I make you do? Which honestly is a little scarier to me because it's like, who is it, you know, who, what type of a person is just like, I don't care who gets killed, just as long as it's someone. Like, the thing with most killers that just kill nameless, faceless people is that they're serial killers who do it because they get pleasure out of it, like the act of killing. But this guy, he's not anywhere near the crime. He just wants to do it to see how much control he has over the situation, which is like deeply terrifying like power power is a drug and people keep getting more and more power they want more and more of it and see what they can do with it even if like it's just in human nature a lot lot of times people end up just keep pushing that and seeing how far they can go even if they don't really care about the outcome they just want to see what people are willing to do for them like what the the peasants are willing to do for the king when the king doesn't even care if the the boy is playing drums for him for three days straight or whatever it may be biblical times or whatever. Yeah. It's just, what can I get from people by asking? Yeah. It's terrifying. And also the fact that he was literally blackmailing her, like in, I guess not blackmailing, bribing is a better word. Like he's saying, I'll give you $9 million. And she like apparently really believed him. Like she believed if she killed someone, she would get $9 million from this guy she was in love with, which is, I mean, problematic in its own right. But basically, she recruits five other kids from her high school in Anchorage, and they all agree that they're going to come up with splits for the money 
in order to help her with this murder. And they all, all of them together decide we're going to kill Cynthia because she had a developmental disability. They thought it would be easier. Like she would be an easier target. It's crazy how it's one thing for one person to have a lapse of judgment, but for that one person to bring five people in and no one did anything to stop it. Like I'm, I'm sure it's just crazy to think about how all six people involved didn't, didn't think twice about, are you sure this is, this is real? Are you sure this, we're actually going to get this money or even just the morals of it? Yeah. I was going to say even more importantly, probably is this right? Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of a, a strange thing though, because this happens a lot in murders where there's more than one person responsible is that there's one person who's the alpha. In that case, it's this girl, um, Denali. Clearly, she's the alpha of this group, and she's convincing them all to do something. And it's just that a lot of times, like, in these crimes where there's more than one killer, there's one lead person who's the alpha that just gets a bunch of other people who are, like, more submissive personalities to just follow them. Because they'll just, they'll fall, yeah, they'll follow someone. You know what I mean? So it doesn't necessarily matter how bad the thing they're asking them to do is because they just want to have someone to follow. Mm-hmm. And like when she presents it and they're like, oh, and these people are already in on it. It's not that crazy. Then these people who are probably looking for a place to fit in are just like, OK, but it's still yeah, it's still ridiculous. I can't imagine. How do you how do you, how would you approach that situation? Like, hey, I have a tiny little favor to ask. You want to help me kill someone? Like, how did she even? It's a strange thing to me because I'm not a uh, quiet personality, but I'm. I don't think I could ever get someone to agree to murder a person with me. Like that's that's a whole other level of being like a manipulative person. You know I, what I mean? I have a hard time asking someone to to be a camera operator for me. And like I. I'm like John Mulaney. I'm I'm like I can't say no to people. You know what I mean? Like I can't I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's so weird. I don't understand that whole dynamic of it's exactly what you said. How do you get multiple people to agree and not even just two? It's like multiple people to agree to do this horrible scheme with you to murder someone with a disability. Like ugh, people are evil. <laughs> But um, so she recruits these other kids to help her with the murder and they decide on these splits for the money. So there were certain people like um, Caleb Leland was someone who was involved in this and he was supposed to receive a little over $500,000 because he let them use his car. Like it wasn't that all of them were actively involved in actually murdering. It's more just bystanders, people who knew it was going to happen and did nothing or helped plan it and did nothing. Like, I'll Venmo you $100,000 if you let, let us use your shovel or whatever. Just, just, yeah. It's like people pitching in. Not necessarily they had a crew of six to do the thing. It's bystanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that in one of the other episodes where it's like, the are the people who sit and watch a murder happen partially responsible? Or are the people who plan it but don't actually do anything responsible? My answer to that is yes, 100%. That's why accessory to murder is something that you can be charged with. Because even if you don't actually kill someone, you can be guilty. You know, when it comes to like the bystander effect, like, oh, someone else will call. I don't feel like I've ever been affected by it. I don't know. I I feel like I'm always there to jump and act on on something. 
So it, it's hard to just think about, oh, that lady's getting murdered, but there's someone else here. I'm going to go walk the other way. It's, yeah. It's crazy to think about. It is weird to think about. Uh, So the day that the murder actually took place, this is how it all went down. So Cynthia uh denali and this kid named caden mcintosh uh caden mcintosh who's only 16 years old were driving around in anchorage and they were smoking before they all decided to go on a hike uh on thunderbird falls trail and this was what they caden and denali had come up with beforehand uh they had been planning on this the whole time cynthia was just kind of there with them because she was already friends with them And so when they start hiking, they find this tree and they tell Cynthia that they want to take cool pictures. And so they duct tape her wrists and legs together and basically tie her to this tree. And so she's on this tree and she starts to panic and tells them like she they need to cut her down and stuff. So they cut her off the tree and she's like, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to do this and that. Like she's freaking out basically at this point because she knows that even though this is like a normal thing that they would do, drive around and smoke and all that stuff. She knows that something is off because of the weirdness with duct taping someone Mm. like not normal, not right. And as she turns around to like get her phone, this kid, Caden, pulls out a gun that they had brought with them and he shoots Cynthia in the back of the head. And she was apparently trying to call the police when she like hit the ground But while she was like barely breathing, they said she was still trembling when they threw her body into a river that was nearby this trail. And throughout this entire thing, um, Bramer is sending photos and videos of all this, all all these events to Tyler. Even after she was dead and on the ground, she was taking pictures of her of her body and sending them to this guy Tyler. So. After they throw her body into the river, Caden tells Denali that uh, she needs to text Cynthia's parents and tell them that they dropped her off at this other national park. So so Denali texts Cynthia's parents because they were really good friends. She had her parents' numbers. And she tells her, hey, we dropped her off at this park. She asked us to drop her off there. And then we left. But the next day, Cynthia is still reported missing because it's weird when your daughter doesn't come home. Like, you're not slick. And they all know you were the last person with her. Like, you idiot. And so the kids, um, Caden and Denali, burn all of the belongings that she had with her. And they burn the murder weapon in another national park that was nearby. And even after Cynthia's death and all these images and videos and pictures were sent, Tyler, air quotes Tyler from Kansas, was still trying to convince Denali just to commit more crimes. Like, he wanted to see... They talked about um, how she would rape and murder someone after Cynthia Hoffman, another girl, because he wanted more photos, and he would give her more money. But after the murder, he never, like, sent her any messages talking about how he was going to get the money to her. It seemed like that was just gone, and she deleted all the pictures, all the messages off her phone, Because she knew, like, this is wrong. This is murder. The police could get involved. Mm -hmm. (sighs) It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I don't get how people in... Because this this happened this year. I don't get how... Yeah, this happened in June. I don't get how people can just, like, think that just calling the mom saying, oh, she's somewhere else would work when everyone knows that everyone has a phone nowadays. And it's just like, 
it's almost would just make more sense to not say anything than just to to lie yeah and not to mention that it was only a few days until the police found her body in the river and they uh, found that her hands and legs were duct taped together mm. and obviously that she had a gunshot wound so who do they go to the last people that she's with obviously mm-hmm. like it wasn't a very well thought through plan considering the number of people that were supposed to be working on it when will people learn to not throw the body into the river because i i know we don't hear about the times where it doesn't turn up but i feel like a lot of the cases i hear about you know it turned up in the river because it can just keep going for miles and then it, it turns up at some some city or some dock like three miles from the, the site it's just like yeah i feel like it's more so just to wash evidence away but at the same time it's like y'all are dumb like clearly this is gonna come back to you and you texted her parents like she, they you're an idiot and it just goes to show all these kids are so young like literally our age hmm. people committing murder what that's crazy. what could possess you to do that i can't even imagine it because it's like i spend most of my days on well now watching wizards of waverly place or i don't know watching stupid stuff on tiktok don't judge me but like these kids are sitting around planning a murder like an actual murder i'm like we're on different planes of existence because i can't I, I can't imagine anyone our age committing murder. Like, I just can't, yeah. especially for money. I don't know. Even, like, the most messed up people I know, I can't think of anyone in any one of my peers who would who would do that, it's just, let alone six of them. Yeah. that's And also just the fact that it was people who she believed were her friends. That makes it all the more heartbreaking because then it's just like, that's a definition of bad friends. Like, <laughs> That might be a little more than the definition of bad friends. I've, I feel like I'll never complain about having a, a bad friend ever again because this is, it, is like the worst case scenario. Because you've never had a friend murder you? I have never had a friend murder me. And that that means that I cannot complain. And it's just, I don't know, it's just so terrible because Cynthia obviously, like, she had so much more life to live. Mm-hmm. It's tragic. Yeah, because she. it's just, when it comes to the death of someone so young, it's always... She's tragic knowing that they they had so much ahead and they had college, they had their family, well, a potential family and, and all these things down the road for them. Yeah, it's it's not right. It's so not right. And even though I highly blame Bramer, at the same time, I blame Tyler also because even though he didn't pull the trigger, he was the reason that the killing happened. But then at the same time, I wonder... Someone who is so willing to kill for money, would something like this have happened eventually anyway, with or without the influence of somebody Mm -hmm. egging them on? How much would it have taken for her to do it? Like, what's the minimum amount it would have taken for her to do it if she already had a predisposition to want to murder? She would have, for all we know, she would have done it for $10,000 or a a meal at Burger King. We don't know. Yeah. Burger King. I don't know. It's Alaska. I don't know what's over. <laughs> maybe for a ch- maybe for a chicken sandwich from Popeyes, but Popeyes no less. Know. I haven't had a Popeyes chicken sandwich. Me either. Every time I go, they're out. <laughs> <laughs> I've only gone once, but still, it was it. 
Popeyes is far away from my house. And I drove all the way there expecting some chicken sandwich deliciousness. And instead, I was told we ran out of chicken sandwiches. Yeah, limited releases always always get us. I know. But anyway, murder. It's wrong. Agreed. So, after Cynthia's death, um, he was, like I said, trying to convince Denali to commit more crimes. And so, he was telling her to sexually assault people. And after they obviously... Okay, so they find Cynthia's body in the river. They know that not, that Bramer must be responsible. So they obviously bring her in and they go through her phone. And um, she tells them that the person labeled Babe in her contacts is somebody named Tyler who's from Kansas. And as they're going through their messages, like, they find she deleted everything. But they pull every... Obviously, nothing that you delete from your phone is ever really deleted. So they exactly. pull everything off of her phone. And they find the FBI then gets involved because there are some seriously disturbing videos of her sexually assaulting a 14-year-old and I believe it was a 9-year-old that she sent to this guy, Tyler. And that's when the FBI, of course, got involved because at that point it was child pornography charges. And so obviously the FBI was going to get involved. And I'll read you. Here's one of the text messages that she sent to him and he sent back to her, like one of their interactions. So um, he said, so are you going to the 14-year-old? saying like are you going to assault her and then bramer replied gonna go buy weed first i want to get her high for it so she doesn't fight me i love you which is disgusting like she was really a predator Mm -hmm. like the two of them were predators and it there's i mean you can always find these true crime stories about these couples that will assault people together or like be this duo that does horrible things to other people because they've managed to find each other but this is like even this is the the internet age of that because he wasn't even there and she was so willing to like it just shows me that she probably had some sort of issues of her own if she was so willing to commit murder and sexually assault children for someone that she didn't know yeah, originally going into this, I thought that she was kind of a victim too. Like she was manipulated into doing this, but just hearing the kind of stuff she said or just the nature of how she did it, it's like it's almost seems like she wanted to do it anyways or like she she was willing to murder and that was just yeah. an excuse. And I feel the same way about that guy, Caden. It's like he's the one who pulled the trigger on Cynthia. He was willing to kill. I mean, there's nothing... At the end of the day, if you kill someone, you pull the trigger and end their life. It, it's not about money at that point. It's about the fact that you're willing to kill someone. Like, how many people who are willing to kill someone when they know that person is innocent? Or it's not like war. You know? How many people are would be able to do that? I don't think that many. So it just goes to show that there was probably something there before. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it takes a special kind of person to want to murder someone. Like, it, no matter how much money or or, or anything, because you know it's it's just morality. It's like if you're a immoral person, it, it's immoral to accept it, accept money to murder someone. And I think that's something that was that was would already be there. Yeah, exactly. So I wrote in my notes clearly a very effed up relationship. <laughs> I don't think I could say it more succinctly than that. But um, even though 
like Denali had deleted, like I said, deleted all these videos, pictures, texts, whatever. The FBI literally just pulled everything out, out of the cloud. Probably they were like, nope, it's all still here. You're bad at everything. Like literally they destroyed the evidence, but then like everyone confessed because it's easy to talk about planning a murder and like doing all this stuff. But then when the police get involved there's something like i feel like there's something so official about that that kids especially like no way because i know like i was scared of the police so much when i was a kid like i don't know why i just was to got it went got to the point that one time my sister and i were riding bikes to 7-eleven and some guy threw a glass beer bottle at my younger sister who's been on the podcast noel um they were riding our bikes and some dude threw a glass beer bottle at her and like out his car window and we're freaking out. It, like, didn't, obviously didn't hurt anyone too badly, but, like, there was glass that shattered all around, and, like, it was terrible. And so, we went back to our parents and, like, told them what happened, and they called the police, and they came to our house to, like, take a report from the two of us. And I don't, when I, when I saw the car coming down the street, even though I knew they were there to help me, and, like, they, obviously, like, I didn't do anything wrong, I just started crying like I was just bawling my eyes out because I was like I don't want to talk to the police <laughs> even though they were there to help me so I feel like when you're a kid doesn't matter if you're 18 or 8 it's like you'll just you'll there's something about authority that's so final you know what I mean yeah that, that reminds me of like I I did a, a job for the police department I made a video for their their summer camp where they teach youth like leadership stuff and when I went there in the meeting like all of the people I worked with to try to try to scare me. Like, do you do drugs? I'm like, no, I'm not doing anything. Like, are you sure you can tell me? You can, you can tell me. And they're, just, <laughs> they're like interrogating me and like, oh, I'm just playing. That happens so many. They're times. like but, spinning the handcuffs on their finger. You yeah. can tell me. <laughs> yeah, I was on edge, but like, oh, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. That's so funny. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like no, if you're a kid, and not even a kid. I mean, I'm an adult. I'm literally an adult, but a young adult. It, the police are still terrifying, like slightly, mm -hmm. because you know they could tell your parents <laughs> anything. They could, I, I don't know, more yeah. so I think it's just like the idea of getting in trouble with the law at such a young age is terrifying. Because mm -hmm. like that that affects the rest of your life. Like truly. You murder someone at 16 and you, <sighs> good luck finding a job. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good luck with anything after that. Good luck that. on your college apps. Yeah. Lifetime achievements. Uh, went to jail for murder, and UCLA is like, "Ooh, that's unique." Sign him up. <laughs> that's that's intellectual diversity right there. I'm pretty sure they don't have that many murderers on campus. We just, <laughs> we strive to do anything imaginable. So uh, <laughs> that's that's my college's slogan anything imaginable and our logo is a window <laughs> our mascot is a panther but like i swear they're gonna change it to this freaking window anytime now at least your your school isn't um, an oiler yeah your school is is worse than a window yours is an oil tower and that does not age well yeah there's a there was a petition to change it into uh, a sea turtle something more environmentally friendly that is just a, an absolute horror of a joke waiting to happen oh Changing yeah it started it as a, turtle. a joke but then the but no like everyone's gonna start making fun of it and like making because our city was one of the first cities to like ban straws mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a thing in other states. Probably not. I don't think there's, I think New York, California are the only states that are really doing anything about it. But it's funny because like our state, I mean not our state, our city, most of like our income comes from oil. Like we're an oil city. We have oil rigs, we have oil. But we're also slowly deals. trying to start to ban plastic. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're not allowed to. I, yeah, this is might be interesting for some people in either other countries or in the United States, but there's no more um, plastic bags and no more plastic straws. They can give you these horrid paper straws, Disgusting. but it's not worth it. It's better to just drink out of the cup like a normal human being. Um, I think that goes back to with like the, the villainizing straws. That goes back to like the common enemy. It's like if I have this enemy of straws, I've done my part. I don't use straws, so I don't have to care about... Yeah, it's like, about, go clean up the beach. I don't have to care about my diesel truck that gets one mile to the gallon if i if i don't drink out of a straw honestly that's the thing and it even kind of connects to this case in the in the stance of like of being a bystander i guess it's like you plan part of this murder but then you just say oh well i didn't actually take part it's i'm not part of the problem and almost the same thing with the straw thing where it's like i don't drink out of a plastic straw so therefore i'm on par with the people that go clean up the beach every weekend and stuff. It's like, no, there's a, it's a clear difference. Like in being innocent in the case of like this actual murder where it's like, there's a difference between being innocent and being, you know, a participant. And it's the same thing, like being a bystander versus being a participant, I guess. It's a very fine line and a strange one. Yeah. I think as soon as you, you know of, of a murder happening and you don't do anything you're you're a bystander and yeah you're you're, an, you're a problem you're a problem yeah because i guess i don't know i can't <laughs> what i just said about straws in this case makes almost no sense and i knew it as i was saying it and it was too late to save it hey but it it makes sense in context I feel, if yeah. you were to take that analogy anywhere else <laughs> it wouldn't make sense but it it's like if you some people like Doing something, doing the uh, the least bit possible is is, is still something. yeah yeah yes. Like, you just said everything I just spent five minutes explaining in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I agree. It's I agree with you about the fact that if you see it happening and don't stop it, then you are partially guilty. It's I mean, there's different levels of that. Obviously, planning part of the murder is different than like seeing a murder and not doing anything to go stop it. But at the same time, it's like, I can't, Im- I would hope that I would be the person who would run down and help someone. But mm-hmm. I guess you would never know until you're in that situation, like what type of a person you'd be. But I just can't imagine not doing anything. Yeah. Like I always like to say about myself, like if I see something happening, I would act right away. And like, there's been situations where I've acted where I've called, like called the police or, or things like that. But it, I don't know. It's like, would I act when I when I needed to like like the trolley problem where it's either like let the train go and kill the four people or intervene and one person dies it's like mm. am I a murderer for killing the one person and saving the four or am I just an innocent bystander if I let the train go over the the four and and leave that one person yeah you're right I can never answer that problem. I feel like my mind changes on my answer every month. You got to like drift so you can get both trains. Yeah. Honestly, just crash the train at that point. Why didn't you just stop the train? 
No one ever thought about that? Oh my gosh. You bring up a good point. <laughs> Take that, ethics professors. But um, back to the case. <laughs> what we were saying about being a bystander or being part of it and being guilty was definitely true for a grand jury in Alaska who indicted six people, all six people, for their involvement in Cynthia's death. So uh, Shill Miller, the name of the actual guy um, who was talking to Bramer, um, Bramer, McIntosh, uh, Caleb Leland, and then there were more kids, but they were minors who also, like, I know that Caden McIntosh was a minor, but he also pulled the trigger. So I feel like, um, people weren't that mad about saying his name. It's kind of crazy that he was only 16 years old, but there were, um, two other minors who were charged with murder in the first degree, along with conspiracy to commit murder and, um, two counts of murder in the second, second degree. So they're really getting like, this is hardcore jail time. First degree murder, premeditated. That's the most, like, that's the biggest charge you can get, really. Mm. And so according to Alaska's law department, they faced 99 years in prison each for murder and conspiracy to commit murder um, for some of the kids. And then five years in prison because they burnt all the evidence up from the crime scene, which is technically tampering with evidence. And on June 2nd, 2019, Denali Raymer confessed to the murder. Um, and obviously, that's ex- incredibly recent. Like, it's still 2019 right now. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, and on June 9th, Shill Miller confessed to federal agents and police in Indiana that he was Tyler and about his involvement in the killing and the assaults. And he told official that they had planned it for like almost a month. And that Bramer was completely involved in it with him, like immersed in the planning and all of that stuff. And um, that he also admitted that he had plans that he wanted to com- get them to kill another person, but then he backed out in the end. Uh, and then he just wanted to blackmail her into raping people and sexually assaulting people, which is not much better. You know, still a creepy older dude convincing 16-year-olds to kill people. What did uh, Bramer get get charged for first degree and oh, second degree okay. and tampering with evidence so you got charged with the same thing as the, the six? Oh, oh, you mean the the guy who tyler tyler that's what i meant to say tyler yeah, yeah. Sorry tyler was also charged with murder in the first degree because premeditation mm-hmm. so and plus not to mention the child pornography okay. charges yeah basically life in jail and um the fbi's child exploitation task force determined that this guy who was playing tyler quote-unquote tyler from kansas was involved in a number of other like child pornography sites Mm -hmm. so straight up just a terrible person from the get-go like from the first moment that he and denali started talking he was already a bad person and so they are they did extradite him to alaska to be charged for that murder and so he's didn't even there's no like attorney listed for him online so he just like straight up getting i mean he confessed so there's like no real i mean he i'm sure he has a state given attorney but like at this point basically all their fates are sealed for murder in the first degree most likely the kids who are minors um minus caden will get lesser sentences or sentences in juvie or something or put in a mental correction institution Mm -hmm. But um, for Denali Bramer and Shill Miller and this kid Caden, it's looking like life in prison. Um, 
And this is a quote from Cynthia Hoffman's father. All I know is that my daughter didn't deserve all this. She should have had the friends that she wanted. She shouldn't have had people that wanted to plot against her, he said. So, like, he's... He actually spoke out a lot after her death, both on Facebook and, like, in press conferences. And he also said, uh, and the ages of these people, I think it is sick. And now they don't have to live the nightmare that I have to live. So, basically just, like, the worst thing I can possibly imagine in is this case. Like, the day that... Um, that Denali Bramer confessed, my dad came up to me. He was like, did you hear about this case? And I was like, no, I've never heard about this. And he was like, it just made me lose my entire hope in humanity. Just that kids are willing to kill this poor developmentally disabled girl for money that wasn't even real from a catfish that they didn't verify. And the catfish was involved in child pornography and the kid was involved in sexual assault. Like, it's just... It's everything bad about humanity wrapped into one case. Yeah, like everything everything bad that you could imagine is all all wrapped up in one one case. Yeah, it's horrid. So, um just honestly this case just made me think like I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast, which is like why is money so important? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I think most normal people would agree life is worth so much more than money. Like $9 million. Think about how much money that is when you really think about it. The national debt of the United States is $22 trillion. (laughs) And like Jeff Bezos probably makes like $9 million every 12 hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is that, is that all human life is like a number? How, what? And it also makes me think about like, what is, does everyone have a number, a number at which they'd be willing to kill someone else? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like where does, how many people would kill someone else for some cash? Like it's become this thing that's just so important in society and so important in people's lives. And like, I understand why you need money to be able to live a good life really. Mm -hmm. But I mean, would you be willing to take someone else's away to better yours? Yeah, I feel like there's there's no point where where I'd say like you know maybe I'll do it and and even if even if I were to say yes to a certain number, I feel like as soon as I, I was in that position to do it, I I couldn't do it. Yeah, I there's no way I'd be able to pull the trigger on anyone. I don't think I would ever agree to that either because I feel like having to live with the guilt of killing someone for the rest of your life, no amount of money. Yeah, is I, worth that. I have a hard time like going up to someone and saying bad news, let alone like murdering them. Like, I, it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't care about money enough or as much as I care about even people I, I would, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I feel like it just depends on what type of person you are. Like, I like to think of myself as a compassionate person, not to, you know, and humble to, no, but, but I, uh, I try to think of myself as a compassionate person. So the thought of hurting someone else, even especially some like someone I don't know, or even like you think about your best friend, mm-hmm. like for you, it would probably be hope. Mm-hmm. You think about your best friend or like someone that you even just someone, you know, closely, it's like no amount of money could posi- could put me in the position where I would be able to do that. Yeah, it's like. 
I don't know. I have a hard time doing an action that I know is like hurting someone. Like I, I just, it's so hard to put yourself in the in the mindset of someone who could do these these horrible things. Like, I don't know. Part of me also wonder wonders if maybe it's because we're a little bit desensitized to money because people that live in our area typically have so much of it. Like mm-hmm. we're we're probably both on the lower end of the spectrum of people that live around us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because. I mean, go to LA, there's like one of the highest concentrations of like millionaires in the world. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like you hear, oh, your your friend's dad just bought a two, like a $7 million boat. Okay. Yeah, kid in my it's science like, class, parents had a private jet. And I'm like, what? I thought that was a myth. I thought only the president had that. I just don't like people. I yeah, it's just like, have we been desensitized to it to the point where like $9 million to us doesn't seem like as much as it would if we maybe lived somewhere else. But I mean, it's still so much money. Like, it's a lot of money, but and still, I can't ever picture. Like, still, even if it was $9 billion, I couldn't picture. I, I feel like no amount of money will make you happy. I feel like someone, since I'm a happy person, I feel like I have no need to have any more money than I have. Denali Bramer also came from an abusive household. Which could have. See, like, she probably, yeah, she probably at some level thought, if I had this money, I can, I can move far away. If I had this money, I can be happy. And money doesn't equate to happiness. It can, it can help you get away from the things that are haunting you and and get to happiness. But money in and of itself isn't, isn't happiness. And I feel like once you're at a point of you're surviving, you're, you're eating, you're eating well, you're getting your nutrition and you're safe, no amount more money than that will make you any more happy than after you're at the yeah. point of like survival. It's like Bill Gates said, at a certain point, this is not a quote, this is just me paraphrasing, but he, he said something like, at a certain point, money doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Like once you have a certain amount of money, the rest is just like to give away. I mean, he gives away like so much money and it's just like, you don't need it after you have enough because it just doesn't like, you there's such an urge to get the initial like oh give me my first million give me my first billion mm. but then it's like when you have a billion dollars what do you do with it look at it <laughs> so got look at it make it into gold bars or something like there's nothing it, it's just there's no use for it in the end it's a piece of paper mm-hmm. it's like I just, I just totally lost my point there but it was like if you look at all income brackets, right, from, from poverty to Bill Gates. Everyone is pretty much the same level of happy. Everyone still has problems. Like, you can be a billionaire and be dissatisfied. You can be a happy person who's living on the streets. And and it, it doesn't change when you get more money. But people... people make ha- more comfortable. Yeah, people have a vision of it, though. Like, yeah. if only. If I, if I won the lottery... I could I could change everything. I could be a happy person. I could fix my relationships. I could do all these things. But in the end, with like the relationships in your life, which really are more important than cars or houses, those money has money has no effect on those. I think that's a perfect note to end on. I, I really like that's such a good sentiment to take away. It's just like Yeah, your happiness is not derived by how much money you have in your bank account. It's about the people in your life. And clearly, Denali Bramer had someone in her life that the person that she thought she loved, and I truly can't understand how that 
could be real love, but it's just like she I wonder if almost she was coming from a place of like thinking that love meant having to do everything that your partner tells you to do plus money on top of it where it's like no a healthy relationship is worth more than all the money in the world and if it's not a healthy relationship you're not going to be happy it's just the bottom line yeah it's like happiness isn't isn't really what people think it is a lot of the time you don't really know you're happy until you're in a place where you're not yeah and i'm happy scrolling through tiktok (laughs) and that's free and on that note your phone (laughs) (laughs) dude people who pro who aren't gen z are gonna be like everyone i would encourage you this is not sponsored by tiktok tiktok if you want to sponsor me i would appreciate it but the app literally is vine again it's just the way it just it just throws content at you it's so funny but stupid yeah it's like there's so much content on there i remember like a friend showed it to me like this is stupid but it's like it, there's just lots of different content on there and it's just another way it's to get you stuck to your stuck to your device man, yeah since i downloaded tiktok my uh, phone tells me that my usage has gone up 12 percent, <laughs> which is concerning but anyway on that note let's stop talking about sad stuff and move into my favorite segment on this show happy things so this is a segment of the show where we just talk about one good thing that happened in our week or something good that will be happening, just like something that makes you happy. And uh, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, you can go first. Okay. Well, mine is easy off the top of my head. My best friend, Emily Crawford, and I will be attending Harry Styles concert both on December 13th and also in September. And I literally could not be more ecstatic because... I have loved Harry Styles since and just One Direction in general since I was in middle school. Literally, Emily and I met because of One Direction, and <laughs> that's how we became friends. Uh, and so, like, I'm just so... We went to the, all the concerts together last year, and I'm just very, very excited because it'll be a nice little round, too. Plus, I love all the songs that he's dropped so far from the album, so... I'm just excited like it's something I'm very very looking forward to in the future and just like we waited for Harry Styles second album to drop for so long that now I'm ready like the hype is real and he also keeps like randomly dropping stuff like on Thursday Emily and I were sitting there we're like we're ready for it to drop and then he just dropped it in the middle of SNL like his next song so we're just kind of you never know what's coming next and I'm I'm excited for all the stuff that's been happening. And so I would say my happy thing is just everything that Emily and I are are doing to prep for this concert and stuff. But yeah, that's easily my happy thing. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, tomorrow I'm I'm taking the day off school, and so is Hope, and we're going to we're going to Disneyland, spend the whole day there. So I haven't I haven't gone in a while. You want to plug Hope's um comic ac- account? Yeah, you, you guys should check out awkward.comics on Instagram for some funny, hilarious comics. And also for art commissions, uh, Hope actually drew the cover art for this podcast. She's amazing. So if you want cover art for your podcast or anything else, hit her up. Yeah, she's wonderful. You guys are great together. But on that note, 
I think we're going to end the podcast there. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I know this is a bit of a longer episode, but we had lots of things to talk about, okay? Listen to Jesse J. Money does not buy happiness. If you want to hear more little uh, <laughs> nuggets of wisdom like this throughout the week when it's not a true crime Tuesday, you can go ahead and find us on social media at Horrible Things Podcast. If you want to help out the podcast, we are also online at patreon.com slash horrible things. Or if you want to help out the podcast in another way, you can go ahead and leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get found and promoted by Apple. And that is a really good thing. But most importantly, guys, just keep telling your friends about the podcast. That is really how we get people to start listening. And we just hope that you enjoy all of this, all of our crazy rants and just learning about um, horrible things. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And of course, remember... Do not believe when people say that they are millionaires online. And if you use plastic straws, you're, you're basically a murderer. But most importantly, don't, don't do, do horrible, horrible things. things.